Yes, and welcome to the Driving You Crazy podcast. I'm Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. I'm um, 6 a.m. newscast producer Joseph Peters. And this is the show where we talk about traffic and traffic-related issues and uh, drive what drives you crazy, really. Mm-hmm, that's uh, the truth. That is the truth. We are recording the show here in early November, and even though it's been much warmer and drier than normal around Colorado and in many parts of the country, uh, w- winter will eventually rear its ugly head. Uh, we're going to be driving in ice and snow before too long. Uh, and as the traffic guy... I really do dread that day. I, I don't look forward to the driving in the snow. I don't mind drive, myself driving in the snow, but I don't like reporting on it because it gets so busy on snow days. There are so many crashes, so many problems, the tough conditions. It, it drives me crazy, basically. Uh, and it's tough to keep my head on straight some days. So winter driving in Colorado is very unique. It, it's in some aspects because we have such extreme terrain here. Um, and not only do we have the mountains to deal with, where we have feet and feet of snow at times uh, but we have the open plains where the blowing and drifting snow driven by those really strong winds that's the problem we could see out there Um, so it's not just a mountain issue Denver issue plains issue well we've already seen several snow days up in the mountains and uh, we have nothing to speak of here yet in the along the front range here in the Denver area which is a little bit surprising it's a late snow for us uh, but Joseph, you're new to Colorado. That's true. Your ride is is new to Colorado, right? That is correct. And you both have uh, questions about winter driving in Colorado, so let's uh, let's talk about it. I mean, that's an understatement in my mind. We just got here. She bought a Volkswagen Jetta when we were still living in Nevada and didn't have to worry about what the weather was going to be on a day to day basis. Now we live here. She has a 30 minute commute, and we, I mean, like you said, we have a ton of questions. The first one that came to mind is that. In this state, there are traction laws, which I had never heard of before. And it's traction laws for passenger vehicles and chain laws for truckers. And to be honest with you, it gets real confusing for somebody who hasn't been around it very often. What do I need to know if I'm going to travel along I-70 in the winter? All right. Well, all right. The chain law in Colorado, it's designed to really make sure that the commercial vehicles, uh, in other words, like semi-trucks, or semi-trucks, semi-trucks. There you uh, go. Not a semi, like a type one, anyway. Uh, Delivery (laughs) trucks, buses, that sort of thing, that they all have good traction when driving in the mountains. Now, the chain law states that all commercial vehicles driving in Colorado, you need to have those traction control devices on board, not necessarily in use, but they have to be on board from September 1st through May 31st, and that's for commercial vehicles. Uh, and this is the truckers and the bus drivers. They, th- it's really for them west of Denver, and they know who they are. It's really called out by the State Patrol, the DOT. They can put it in place for any Colorado highway, not just I-70, the mountains, but there is the requirement for them to have it on board. Now, we can see significant snow in the mountains uh, west of town almost any time. I was hiking a 14er one time in July, and there was a snowstorm. A, wow. brief, a brief one right there at the at the summit but wow. we i've seen it you can see the snow even in july here um we can even have blowing and drifting snow on the plains at times and closes the highway down there so that's why we need these traction devices okay so the commercial chain requirements are broken down into several categories depending on the type of truck or bus the the you're driving and it's by weight and and size and that sort of thing now the truckers and the commercial bus drivers for the most part are aware of the requirements before they start hitting the road and basically when the chain law is in effect they need to put on these traction devices like tire chains that's the most popular popular one uh you can use cables you can use the auto sock it's actually like a shower cap for your tire okay uh, uh, so it, it, you would put a shower cap on your head you put it on the same thing on your tire they, they have these for cars as well i did a story about these a bunch of years ago um, when they were trying to get approval from the DOT to be used as an official traction device. And they actually work really well. They're, they're not hard to put on. 
Um, and I think they cost a bit over a hundred bucks. Uh, cables, you can get those at Walmart or just about anywhere for your car. They cost you know anywhere between twenty-five and fifty bucks, depending on what kind you get. Okay. Uh, now, all right. Now, most people like you, Joseph, wondering if you need to have chains for your passenger car. Not necessarily. Okay. All right. So there's a new requirement in the past couple of years. It's called the passenger traction law. Now you're required to have these all-season tires or snow tires on your car. And, and here's the important part, with adequate tread. Okay. All right, so you need to put on the chains, cables, or auto sock on your personal car if you don't have good snow tires with adequate tread and you're going to be heading into these areas that are required that the, that the traction law is in place. So if you know if you have if you know the the penny test, have you ever heard of the penny test? Right, you stick the penny in there, and if the what is it? If Lincoln's head peeks out from yep. over it, you're good to go. Yeah, something so along you, those yeah, lines. exactly. If you see from the top of his hair to the end of the penny, then you see the tires are worn; they're not adequate. Uh, your tires are fine if the tread blocks most of Lincoln's head. So that's basically the way you can see. You can tell. Most people can look at their tires and they know right. if, if you have bald tires or you have good tires. Well, I would hope you'd be able to tell if you have bald tires. I yeah. think that, that test is more for people who are like right on the edge. And yeah. if you're on the edge, you're probably fine. Yeah, it, you're right. And, but it would help if you had good tires, especially in some of those uh, times where you need the, the, the good tires up, especially in the mountains. Now, okay. the fine, they, here's the thing. The fines are pretty stiff. For commercial vehicles, the drivers, if you don't carry any traction devices during those times, during uh, September to May, even if it's warm and sunny, if you don't have them on board during that time, the fine is 67 bucks. Okay. Now, here's the fine for not chaining up when the chain law is in effect, $579. And if you block the highway as a result of not chaining up, it's $1,157 uh, for a fine. And they've increased the fines over the last couple of years because there's been so many delays uh, and closures because there's been so many accidents with people and truckers not chaining up. So uh, there are some pull-off areas for the truckers to do it for passenger vehicles if you really needed to pull off um, up there in the mountains as well. Gotcha. So th this is a personal story for me. We were trying to move our cats out here in March of last year. And you may remember in March of last year, we also got hit with a 21-inch snowstorm that shut down traffic in I-70 for quite some time. We're driving in the Jetta. We pull off on the highway to go to the gas station or whatever to try to figure out what the traction law is. And we're desperately trying to find chains for our car. And we were basically the most clueless people in the state of Colorado that day. So maybe you can educate me and prevent future situations like this and just explain what are chains. Well, all right. Chains are just what you think are. They're actually, they're, they're chain link. I mean, they're chains uh, that go over your tires that provide traction to, in the snow. You, you put them over your car. It's almost like a ladder of okay. chains and it just goes over your car you connect them on the on two sides and then you drive your car on the road with those chains on it now if you have a front wheel okay. drive you put them on the front wheels but rear wheel drive you put it on the real rear wheel so it'll give you more traction basically that's what it is okay now it, it's really for the chains for the most part are for the truckers the uh, vehicles like passenger vehicles like yours you would use cables or that auto sock option that i mentioned uh, that really is easy. You just put part of it on the wheel, and then you start driving, and it automatically just flips onto your car like you would like a like a like a hair like a, a hair deal. So what's the texture of that? Is that like a swimming cap like well, you put on, or is no, it more it's like? Not, it's, no, it's not like that. It's more of a mesh. It's more of a uh, almost like a cloth, like a grippy kind of cloth. Feel. Okay, got you. Like. Um, but I'll tell you this, it's no fun when you're in a driving snowstorm to put on chains or put any of these options on. So the best for passenger vehicles is to have all-weather tires, snow tires when you're driving around Metro Denver. Gotcha. L let me ask you this. 
if I'm out on I-70, I already put snow tires on my car, do those snow tires count as chains? Yes and no. All right, so if you have good snow tires, that counts and that will take you through the traction law. So, you, so you're already covered because you have the good uh, uh, snow tires on your car. Now, if you have, uh, if you're driving a commercial vehicle, obviously you need the chains if the chain law is in place. But as par part of that traction law, all you're required to have is the good all-season snow tire, good all-season uh, tires on your car with the adequate tread. If you have that, then you don't need the chains. If you uh, don't have good tires, then you do need the chains, the cables, or the auto saw. Gotcha. So here's my big question. It, will I really get pulled over if I don't have the chains on my car? I understand that Colorado, the state of Colorado, would like me to believe that I will definitely get pulled over for that. Is that something where people actually get popped on a regular no, no, basis? No, no. It, it, that's All right, so if you're driving a semi or delivery truck or a bus because you can see the, t the chains uh, on the wheel or not on the wheel, uh -huh. then yes, you could get uh, pulled over and fined for that. However... What happens is, if you're if you're in your personal car, for the most part, the state patrol isn't driving around just staring at your wheels, looking for you if you don't have your chains or cables or, or what kind of tread you have on your on your tires. What happens though is if you get in a crash or spin out or block a lane or block traffic, when the state patrol does get there, when they come out to help, then they will issue you a citation if you're in violation of the law because at that point they will check your tires and see what condition they're in. But they're not just driving around in a snowstorm. They're too busy, you know, helping out other people and doing other things than to just stare at people's tires while you're, they're driving on I-70. Got so it's more of a preventative thing. Yes, basically. and it's also like a post um, if you've caused a lane blockage or an accident, something like that, and then it's additional fines because of that. Got you. So if I'm trying to drive on I-70, I don't put chains on my car. Am I actually in any danger of spinning out? No. If, if you have good treads on your tires. Uh, if you have good treads, no, you're fine. If you don't have good treads, then yes, you actually are in danger because it can be so slippery. Um, it, there are times when the snow is gently falling and you might need a little bit of extra traction, but there's a lot of times, especially in the mountains or out to the plains where it's blowing, driving snow, you can't see in front of you. Uh, you the snow is, could be coming down at more than an inch an hour. Uh, blowing so hard, you, you you just don't know. You really do get that claustrophobic feeling sometimes, and it gives you that better sense of, all right, I can make it through this if you have good tires and good working equipment on your car. Okay, gotcha. Now, so let's say I'm not driving on I-70. Yeah. I'm actually, I live in downtown Denver. My wife lives in downtown Denver. We're only going within like 10 miles of the downtown. Do I still need chains and snow tires? Uh, for the most part, you're not required to have chains or other traction even in your car if you drive around Metro Denver and you really don't need them driving around Metro Denver. Uh, but snow tires, good all-season tires are a good, with a good tread is always a good idea during the wintertime. And some people even keep two sets of tires if you have room for it. You keep two sets of tires, winter's tires and then summer tires. Mm -hmm. Or some people go the extra step and have an extra set of studded tires. They have those little studs that are actually in, embedded in the tire. Like a golf can, cleat. Yeah, exactly, like a golf cleat. It gives you more traction. I, I could see it used more in the mountains than here in town, but you'll hear them, especially in the dry pavement. You hear there's a certain sound that they make. <laughs> okay. That it's, it's a distinctive sound from the studded tires when people are driving around and it's just dry. Um, but you know what? A good all-season snow tire uh, is just fine. There have been a few occasions where the passenger traction law has been put here in Denver. Uh, but it's very few and far between when that happens, and uh, it, you really shouldn't worry about that. So, you say those days are few and far between. 
for somebody who hasn't been here for very long, how often does a massive snowfall just shut down the city completely? Uh, ra- uh, rarely. We're not Dallas. We're not Atlanta. We're not. We're not like a city of the South where they just shut it down when they when there's the smell of snow. Gotcha. Um, we can deal with snow now. There's there's been a handful of times I recall in in my 25 years here where they have shut down the city, where we get massive blizzards, feet of snow, where, like one time where there were so many people out to the airport just stranded, where they couldn't move, they had to bring out Humvees to rescue people. Wow. Um, there are times where you get so much snow, especially in the spring, you can get huge snowfalls, where they have to shut down major highways just because there's no way people can just get around. Okay. Um, so it can happen. But it's really based on how much snow and how fast it falls and that sort of thing. You can get uh, snowstorms that will shut down the school systems because sometimes the buses can't get through. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the businesses will still be open. You're going to be expected to go to work. I Absolutely. Am. Yeah. Uh, we always have to go to work no matter how much <laughs> snow we get. Um, and and th- then there's other areas of town like the foothills. I live at 6,100 feet, so I'll get more snow at my place than down in the Denver Tech Center where it's even a few hundred feet uh, lower in elevation, or even down in downtown Denver, where it's a thousand feet lower in elevation than my place, and you get rain or or just wet roads, and I'll get you know uh, maybe uh, six inches of snow. Um, so elevation has a lot to do with how much snow you'll get around here too. Gotcha. Um, so as far as getting in and out of the city, I know a lot of people like to travel for the holidays. My parents flew into Vegas last year. Parents want to fly into Denver this year. How often does a massive snowfall like the one we're talking about just shut down the airport completely? Infrequently. Uh, the airport was di- designed to be, all right, air quotes here, an all-weather airport. Okay. Uh, that means they have uh, systems in place to fly in the bad weather. They ha- they do a pretty good job when it snows. They have these special plows, and actually they can scoop up the snow, and they have these special melters, too, that melt the snow out there. But the, they have systems in place to fly in the bad weather, and they, do good, they, do, they really do a good job. Flights can be delayed in or out of the airport uh, due to severity of how much snow they get. And, of course, the aircrafts need to be de-iced when uh, they're taking off. So there can be some slight delays there, but they don't count that as a flight delay because they might be, leave the gate on time, but your flight might be sitting out there waiting to be de-iced, and then you'd be delayed getting into your next airport. Okay. Um, but when the snowfall rates are extreme, when the, when the wind, because it's, it's out there more in the plains, when it's blowing like crazy, they could close down the airport. Um, but it's really, if they're going to close down the airport, it's got to be really extreme conditions. Uh, but they have some of those uh, uh, plows and other mechanisms to, to really keep the runways open. With, but when it's blowing so hard or snowing so hard and they can't do that, then they'll close it down. Gotcha. All right. Well, are we all bummed out now? I think you did it. All right, good. good work. Uh, we're, <laughs> well, now we're ready for winter. Uh, I guess it's time for a short break. Um, you know, every year I'm liking summer more and more, and it's mainly because my bones start creaking in the winter, but yeah. no, I just don't like the winter driving. Uh, all right, so it's time for a break. No commercials here. It's just interesting and hopefully entertaining promos uh, by the other members of our Denver 7 Morning News program. Uh, coming up, we've got the mailbag where we're going to answer some of your questions. We've got that and much more next as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. If it's driving you crazy, it's driving us crazy. The mailbag is next.
If you start your day with Denver 7, when you walk out the door, you are going to know everything you need to know. You're going to know if you want to be wearing shorts that day or a parka and a hat and gloves. Jason's going to give you all the details on the traffic so you will know which way you want to travel. And Mitch and I, we're going to give you all the information you need to know so you can have those great conversations around the water cooler. Dale Cedars, only on Denver 7. Hey, everybody. It's Eric Lufer with Denver 7, the morning show. Hey, watch us every morning, Monday through Friday, because, you know, I'm on it. Now, if I wasn't on the team, I would watch Denver 7 for the Jason Lisa bickering that they do every, every morning. They're like brother-sister. I love it. It adds to the dynamic. We're just a great team, and it's people need to watch. Eric Lufer, only on Denver 7. Life's a foolish game. Do you ever feel the same? Well, maybe we could change. And we continue on the Driving You Crazy podcast with the mailbag segment. Well, this is one of my favorite segments. We're going to start with Michelle in Denver who writes, Do you know if I-270 will ever be widened? It seems as though all of our freeways get improvements, but 270 just chugs along being ignored, or so it seems. It's two lanes and usually backed up, unless it's a weekend or at night. Do the powers, quote-unquote, not like 270? That's understandable. Few of us do. Uh, no, Michelle, it isn't that CEDA doesn't like 270. It's just they don't have any money uh, right now. or they, Really, they don't have a money tree with millions of dollars falling off of it to build as many roads as we would want and widen all the highways. I, too, am not a fan of the congestion up there. They say it's a, over 100,000 vehicles use 270 every day. And it's one of the first highways of the morning, always the morning, to bog down, uh, especially on that eastbound side. Oddly enough, I am a fan, though, when driving on 270, of looking out those refineries as I sit in traffic and like to watch the foam from the waste reclamation facility. Is that the, the, uh, tur- the turd factory? I was going to say, is that the part of town that smells real bad? No, no, no. That's more by the Purina plant. Um, gotcha. But, <laughs> uh, but no, that, you know, all that, that, that waste reclamation facility where they clean up all the uh, bad stuff. Well, anyway, it dissipates into the Platte River. Uh, okay. Anyway, that's a different story. CDOT tells me that I-270, now they're currently uh, deteriorating. It, it's really, it's falling apart. And it is on their list of highways that need replacement. They're aware of the congestion problem, and they want to widen the interstate. It's actually on this list of the 2035 regionally significant roadway capacity projects. Uh, in other words, they want to fix it, but they've delayed the work because they don't have the money to do it right now. Now, although no uh, traffic studies have been done, traffic projections show they're going to need to expand 270 by at least one lane each direction. That additional lane will most likely be an express toll lane like we've seen on the other freeways around town. Um, and what CDOT says their preferred option will not be selected until the required environmental process has been completed, but you can pretty much be assured that it's going to be an express lane. Now, CDOT says the initial cost, this is where it was getting interesting for me because they say the construction of an extra lane and to replace all the bridges, there's a bunch of bridges to replace, and it would be around $280 million. Now, I've heard the cost can be much, much higher than that. One person I talked to about the rebuild said that it would be about $28 million per lane mile. And with two new lanes, a little more than six miles each, uh, the cost would be sniffing around $350 million, so a lot higher than the original CDOT estimate. 
and maybe they know that, but at least they're not saying that right now. So the short-term fix, they're going to spend about $7 million bucks to improve that 270 and Vasquez interchange. Informally, CDOT tells me that if the funding levels, which haven't been very good, if that stays the same, the earliest any widening could happen would be after my retirement in around 2035. Um, but they say as of now, if everything came as a part of a reasonable, optimistic estimate, they would have the work done by about 2040, which is you know way past where you would want the, the, the highway widened. Um, well, and it's worth pointing out right now that the governor, John Hickenlooper, just submitted his budget for 2018, and he's talking about $500 million in cuts between education and transportation. So CDOT's realistic, if optimistic, estimates we may not even be hitting that. No, we're not. And there's going to be big squeezes on the CDOT budget come this year. And they know that. They're aware of that. And they know that a lot of the projects that they have already scheduled will go through. But the ones they want to do will not because they're going to run out of money for it. Um, but in the meantime, you're going to have several years of heavier than normal traffic up there. And you know what? What's going to be really bad is when they start uh, tearing up I-70, that that project is going to be right near the Purina oh, plant wow. when that whole thing then a lot of people as they tear that up are going to try to use 270 as an alternate and really mess it up so oh joy yikes all right well that's the cost of population growth correct yes all right let's turn to michael from denver who writes what's driving you crazy more of a pedestrian based rant why on such a busy egress route is 17th avenue are there no walk signals at the intersections of 17th and logan and 17th and grant i can't think of any other intersection between broadway and colorado boulevard on 17th that doesn't have walk signals when crossing, pedestrians have no idea how soon the light will change. Yeah, good news, Michael. Starting next year, Denver Public Works is going to rebuild uh, uh, both signal crossings there at 17th and Logan and 17th and Grant. I've seen that as well. The improvements will be uh, new uh, pedestrian countdown signals, like you requested, to let you know uh, a better idea of how long it's going to take to cross the street. Uh, Denver Public Works will also rebuild the pedestrian ramps in there so it's easier to walk to and from the sidewalk to the street, easier for uh, wheelchairs to get through there as well. The old unattractive current span wire signal system that they have there hanging over the road is going to be replaced with a more noticeable, durable, mast arm system. Uh, and Denver Public Works tell me they hope to finish the design of the new signals this year and then construction next summer. So it's going to take some time. They'll wait through the winter to, to, uh, to do the work. And in addition, they also plan to make improvements at a few other signals along 17th Avenue between Broadway all the way down to Colorado Boulevard past City Park. Uh, but until then, Michael, you'll just have to be very careful crossing the street. And I've seen some drivers who have a bad habit of speeding up to get through some of those stop lights over there. So just be careful as you're crossing the street. I don't want to have an auto pedestrian accident. Well, and Michael says that he can't think of anywhere. Pedestrians have no idea how soon the light will change. You and I both know there are plenty of drivers who have had the experience of a pedestrian not even caring what the walk signal right. says and just going anyway. Yep, that's right. Uh, and you know what's funny? I just got this uh, in just uh, this morning. Uh, this is a new one, uh, What's Driving You Crazy, and it said, this is from Eric, from Grafenhoer, Germany. I'm probably not pronouncing that anywhere close. I actually think you nailed it. He so. says, What's Driving <laughs> You Crazy? Work. All right, well, I, 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 can't, I, I think that's universal, whether it's Germany, the United States, or anywhere. Bravo, right, Eric. There you go.
Uh, by the way, if you want to interact with us uh, on the Driving You Crazy podcast, you can look for uh, my Facebook page, Jason Luber Traffic Guy. Uh, you can uh, go there. Twitter at Denver7Traffic is my Twitter handle. And you can also see my Facebook live broadcast every Friday morning, 9 o'clock Mountain Time. It's a good time to ask questions, interact in real time. It lasts for about 20 minutes or so. We have regular viewers from all over the country, even all over the world. I've seen, now I haven't seen Germany, I don't think yet. Well, we will in the future. Well, I, I can only hope. Uh, but it's a good time to address questions in real time. Uh, and, and and really, it is a nice way to... It's but, but again, you just go to the Denver channel, the Denver 7, the Denver 7 Facebook page, and then you can go to their... Uh, you'll see the live broadcast there, the Facebook Live, that happens again every Friday at 9 o'clock. There you go. And then there are a few other ways to get in touch with the show. You can get at me on Twitter, my handle at JosephDenver7. You can also email us. It is drivingyoucrazypodcast at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. You can also call us directly at the Denver 7 Studios, the number here, 303-832-7777. If you do get the news desk, you can just ask to leave a message on my machine or Jason's machine. We'll get those messages, oh, and you might hear it on the air. My, you know my voicemail? On my voicemail, what it says? It says, I check this voicemail once every two years. So go feel free to leave a message there, but I probably won't get back to you for a couple of years. I'll be checking Jason's voicemail. Okay, going uh, well, <laughs> all right. Well, that wraps up another, I believe, successful episode of this Driving You Crazy podcast. We appreciate you listening and uh, tuning in. And on the next episode, I think we should tackle the issue of left lane slow drivers. Absolutely. Um, that the, There is a left lane passing law here in Colorado, and some people have asked about that. So maybe we'll add, we'll talk about, because that is a bit of a heated issue, and, and people drive slow in the left lane and maybe try to force the speed limit on others while others then get m- mad about it. So Is that why people do that? Sometimes. Wow. Sometimes, anyway. Okay. Uh, and you know what? Sometimes the fines in some states are huge, really huge. So we'll talk all about that. Beautiful. Uh, and of course, your questions, comments, in the next edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast. Until then, I'm Jason Luber. I'm Joseph Peters. And we'll see you next time on Driving You Crazy. Thanks for listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast. 